0: evangelical mission that is mission from the West uh, over the last 200 years has taken on a um, four different uh, but related um, eras. And uh, to help us understand how we got to here, you need to look at, we need to just take a quick look at these eras. The first I call presence and this is where Western missionaries started going out from England and the United States and other uh, locations in Europe uh, uh, to uh, to the majority world, out, out into the world, usually following out to the business centers that their various governments and countries were involved in. Uh, we won't get into the colonial history and all the purposes. We'll just say that the that the gospel followed where uh, the trading routes were much as it did in the first century when the 12 apostles fanned out and uh, began preaching the gospel. And when Paul brought the gospel to um, Europe and and so from Europe, the gospel started moving out And in this area of presence, the funding aspect of it was uh, there was very little, uh, the people were educated in theology, uh, prepared to um, uh, live off the land, in effect, and uh, went uh, often without much of a connection back to their uh, supporting base, uh, to the church or the denomination that sent them, with long periods of time where there was no communication. People were not, un- people just knew that they were there. That is an aspect of fundraising. They know you're there, they know you're doing something, but they don't have connection. That was that first era. Um, But with the uh, onset of steamboats and travel and train travel and um, the ability to get around more in the 19th century as as, um, civilizations advanced in terms of communication and transportation, Um, mission sending and mission funding started taking on an aspect that's still dominant today, as is presence, uh, and that was activity. Uh, Donors, givers, investors uh, became, uh, they were being told what was actually going on in the settings. They were learning about the hospitals that were being built, the uh, schools that were being started, the uh, church planting missions, the evangelization, um, the it, it was a variety of mission that still holds true today, and um, and they funded that activity, um, and still today, that is a predominant uh, source of funding, uh, particularly in personal support raising, which most missionaries uh, have to engage in at some point or some level. Uh, they. Uh, You know, in in Western churches, uh, one of the ways that you see the demonstration of this particular uh, uh, phenomena is there'd be a map in the back of the church, in the foyer of the church, uh, with a push pin on some location that said, we have a missionary that's over there. That's the presence. And then there'd be a piece of yarn tied from the push pin down to a photograph or a postcard uh, that explained what the missionary was doing where he was or she was and what they were uh, attempting to accomplish. And then every so often the missionary would come back through do deputation or the mission agency would do deputation and and give a a more full picture and hopefully encourage uh, the congregation to give money to that missionary. That that era of activity was influenced deeply in the late nineties, in the late 20th century, I should say. Uh, by the advent of evangelical philanthropy in uh, organized philanthropy in the West, where a number of businessmen and, and um, uh, legacy families with a great deal of wealth um, organized to fund their uh, uh, to fund directly uh, through their own giving uh, the uh, the work of um, philanthropy. And one of the questions that started getting asked is not only where are you and what are you doing there, but what are you accomplishing? This idea of outcomes uh, became a very uh, controversial uh, topic. I mean, in one sense, outcomes are a good thing in that they help you be focused in your strategies, uh, give you ability to measure how you're doing, uh, uh, help you be accountable to your promises. All of that is good. On the other hand, um, it also implied perhaps a lack of trust. And that often was um, thrown back at those of us that were asking questions about what are you accomplishing. Um, uh, In in fact, I had a a European delegate to a very uh, large uh, association uh, almost spit in my face one time when I was a rookie funder just trying to figure my way around the world. And I was at one of their conferences in Europe and was just asking a bunch of questions, which I'm, that tends to be my skill is just to ask questions and because I was a newspaper man and was just trained that way. And, uh, at some point she got very frustrated with me, uh, uh as an American and she just, you bloody American, she spit out of her mouth, uh, why don't you just send your money and stay home? And so uh, that was the uh, that really helped me understand that we had some real serious problems that we were uh, dealing with and needed to um, uh, break through. and And actually, you can look at what we're doing here today as part of that um, that breakthrough. Uh, that's not a very good fundraising technique, by the way, to just tell somebody to send money because it makes it just transactional. It makes you feel like you're just a wallet or a purse, and um, that doesn't work in fundraising. Um, another thing that um, then happened, we started working, particularly through the Luzon committee, to address these issues, and we're we're going to move into that in the Uh, In our next session, when we talk about the communion of giving and receiving, but it was a direct result of this outcomes oriented questions that were coming from the Western philanthropies and what kind of trouble that was causing in the field, Uh, not just the good that it was doing in terms of holding people accountable to their outcomes, uh, but also what it was causing in terms of reporting and uh, malfeasance in some cases. Um, And so uh, there's a lot that has happened since then uh, through the ministry fundraising network, uh, the global trust partners to set up accountability networks throughout the world, uh, Generosity Plus to uh, Path, I I should say, to teach um, uh, uh, very effective teaching of generosity in settings where philanthropy has not yet uh, become a norm. Uh, all of that is fitting together and coming out of the foment that was happening with this outcomes era, which then leads to the place that we're at now. And the reason we're all together here, and that is this era of ownership and engagement. That is where all of you are, are, um, uh, looking, uh, we're in a post-colonial environment in most places <clears throat> in which, um, sustainability in your own settings, finding funding in your own settings becomes important uh, to help you grow and develop the world, uh, the work that you're doing. But it also uh, calls you to develop accountability structures that are local to you. And that actually starts with giving and fundraising. um, Because what this is about is you all taking the responsibility for your work in terms of your boards, your local funding, and an interdependence, which we will uh, uh, look at a little later, this idea of sustained interdependence. That is, you're sustained in yourself, in your work, locally, and then interdependent in your programmatic costs so that your funds can come from anywhere. And uh, so developing boards and accountability structures are at the root of of biblical fundraising. And uh, the goal of all of this uh, is to come to this place of a communion of giving and receiving. That is, is where we're all equals at at the cross. There is no overdog or underdog or wealth is not a determinant of value. Uh, It just comes down to God's work done in God's way.